How Are You is a new podcast brought to you by Pedestrian and Kids Helpline, talking all things youth mental health. Kids Helpline is Australia's only free, confidential, 24-7 online and phone counselling service for children and young people up to 25. Hello and welcome to episode two of How Are You? I'm Marty Smiley, your host. On today's show, we're talking about S-E-X, H. E-A-L-T-H. Sexual health. Uh, It can be an uncomfortable thing to talk about, not just with your friends, but even with your partner too. Today we're going to try and break down the stigma that surrounds this sticky subject. But because sex is such a big topic, we've actually got two guests uh, who are going to help me today. First though, we put some questions to you. We stop some pedestrians and ask them, what is your biggest worry? about sexual health. How little people care about it? If you know that people overall like don't get tested very often. How do the stigmas around sexual health impact how you approach sex and relationships? Yeah, I think when you go for a sexual health check with a partner, um, some people are less comfortable with that or they feel like it's being judgy or you're pointing fingers. Yeah, they're like top three awkward questions that you probably have to ask as soon as you enter a relationship. So I'd say, yeah, there's some stigma around it, for sure. There's like social kind of stigmas, I guess, on like male and female. Who are you most likely to turn to with questions about your sexual health? GP. Best friends. Obviously, you know, you've got that whole no judgment there as well. Friends. Yeah, like I don't really have like a GP, so I'm one of those girls that go to like the cheapo bulk billing places. <laughs> um, but yeah, probably friends, asking their advice, um, good old Google, that's about it. Alright, now it is time for the check-in. My first guest today is Alex Tricolia, a sex and relationship therapist. That means it's pretty much her job to sit down with people and talk to them about how they get busy in the bedroom. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. That's good. Why is it so awkward for, for people to talk about this stuff? I guess it's because we live in a bit of a sex-negative culture where there isn't that sense of naturally kind of leaning toward a more positive attitude or even comfortable or safe sort of perspective on what sex can be there's this kind of more immediate reaction of fear and you know these are the consequences rather than looking at the beauty of like oh it's connection or empowerment and things like that have you come up against your own challenges with sexual health yeah absolutely so when you start to have sex with other people And even with yourself, you're learning constantly. And what you're learning from is their reactions to whatever's happening. It's that interpersonal, like, um, you know, receptiveness to the energy in the room. So you might be trying something and someone will give you, like, a look or a noise that indicates, yeah, okay, this feels good. We should keep doing this. And then sometimes there are looks or noises or even a silence that you go, yeah, maybe not. Like, this was a bad idea or they're not liking this. When it comes to sexual health in terms of like contracting SDIs Mm. or staying safe to avoid that happening, uh, have you ever gotten the call from someone? Have you ever received the anonymous text? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
and how does that go? I mean, it's such a yeah, it's a real thing, you know. That 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 often maybe happens behind the curtains. Yeah, we don't really like to talk about maybe if we do get that text no. or we got to send that text mm. to someone. Yeah. So um, when I received, I received a text, and I was like, "All right, cool. This is like all good. I'll just go get tested." Um, and I I'd gotten tested only a few months previously, and I went to the doctor. And I was like so anxious, like so nervous. I was like, damn, my like first STI, like is this going to happen? They tell you not to do, like get one. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Like, that moment has arrived. Right, that yeah. moment has arrived. I'm becoming that person. I am, yeah. That, that yeah. my teachers that told me not to. <laughs> all those photos of gonorrhea yeah. that they showed me on a slideshow. That's all like, that, oh. that was sex education, right? Yeah, it was exactly. just like slides a of, bunch of genital, genital warts. warts. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So essentially I'm like sitting in this GP's office and he's like clicking through and he's like, all right, Alex, um, yeah, looks all good. You're all clear. And I got up and what I was like doing the Chandler Bing dance. I was like, oh, yeah, like <laughs> no STIs for me. And he goes, oh, hold on a second. And I was just like, what? And he's like, no, no, you definitely have chlamydia. You talked a little bit about some of your girlfriends who weren't experiencing orgasms. Mm. I believe that's referred to as the orgasm gap. Yes, well, the, yes, the orgasm gap is this phenomenon where it's like the like equal pay like gap. Essentially, men have more orgasms than women, and so um, the gap is that yeah, women are just not really or getting to orgasm as much. And the most common situation that that's happening in in is in casual sex. So single people who are meeting and like only having sex a few times in those situations, men are more likely to orgasm than women. And even in relationships, you still see a discrepancy in general. Women aren't able to orgasm as much. Um, and in my thesis on female sexual dysfunction, I looked into a bunch of research on like, what is going on here? It's not about women because I looked into it and, um, you know, like LGBT community, like women who have sex with women are coming all the time. So it's not women. <laughs> Let's just, let me just put it that way. Um, there is a certain attitude toward orgasms that seems to be different. And I think that the best way I can kind of put it is like um, sexual response for men and women is really different. So, and so what happens is that in heterosexual encounters and why the orgasm gap happens is because men are like ready within a few minutes while women are still warming up. It's a lack of patience. It's a lack of patience, but also even awareness around that fact is that women's sexual response and functioning just takes a little bit more time, need a little bit of warming up before we can kind of get to the place where orgasm can happen. How do we get guys to close the gap when it comes to what we're discussing mm. well I guess even having the awareness that 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 your functioning is not the same as someone else's I think there's also like an expectation like which might come from porn it might come from elsewhere that women should be able to come as quickly as men and even like vice versa like some men maybe don't come as quickly and that's okay but even just having the patience for the process um trying not to make it super goal oriented so I think that that can sometimes be an issue could you actually be having sex that 
is still really wonderful and there's connection and intimacy, but neither of you orgasm. Yeah, Yeah, what other principles should we be incorporating? I think that consent is one of the best things you can actively practice. So, um, you know, having – and I guess what that really means is having clear communication with the partner – and even if you look at like what happens when you get an STI, you have to communicate clearly like this is what's happening. And really what that does is build like a form of intimacy, doesn't it? Because even if it was a one night stand, you're still kind of connecting to be like, hey, I respect you. This has happened. We just need to be on the same page. And so I think that, you know, consent is one of those things that can be done by the use of assertive communication. Okay, so we just heard from Alex about the sort of social etiquette of sexual health and the importance of a sex-positive environment. Now, we've got Robbie. He's a registered nurse and host of Hot on Health to give us a more kind of clinical perspective and clear up any misconceptions around getting yourself checked. Thanks for coming on the show. That's fine. Thanks for having me. We're here to talk about an often taboo subject Mm. sex and sexual health why do you like talking about it and most people don't i think that's a good question i like talking about it because i just think it's a fundamental part of what it means to be human like we all have sex sexuality and gender as part of who we are and it should be just the way we speak about everything else like i don't know food friendship tv anything like that and because it has a massive impact on our health um but i think the reason people don't like talking about it is because there's just been such a long history of not talking about it that now it's become really uncomfortable and misunderstood and can be a little bit awkward. I used to be uncomfortable about it, though. I think like it would be unfair to be like, I was always great at it. I remember my first sexual health histories with patients was very like, you know what I mean? Like glass shaking, like, oh God, I'm really going to have to ask these big questions. Yeah. And then as I discovered, it's kind of with everything, the more you talk about it, the easier it becomes. Because anything like sex and sexual health, if it's got stigma and shame attached to it, they kind of... You fuel that fire through silence and then you dispel stigma and shame by shining a light on it and talking about it. So you have to ask the question, you know, can you, can you show me? Because I think a lot of people think when you come in for a test, if you, especially if you've never had one before, it's going to be really hectic and invasive. Like, it, yeah. yeah, and it's really straightforward, can be really fast. You can do it at your GP or at a sexual health centre. Um, and often there's no examination involved if you don't have any symptoms. It's just like taking a history, answering some questions, and then doing really fast, simple tests. Give me some of the stats on this stuff because okay. people might not think it's as common yeah. as it is. So I know in 2017 there were over 100,000 new cases of chlamydia. Yep. Um, and then that was up from previous years and kind of continues to trend. But there's heaps of untested and undiagnosed chlamydia, especially in young people like 15 to 29, because they're not going and getting tested. Yeah. And we know that certain groups are more at risk of certain STIs than others. And young people is one of those priority populations. People that are 15 to 29 are just more likely to get an STI. Safe sex. Mm. I mean, safe sex is a big term to me like I think it encompasses lots of stuff like it's definitely condoms yeah um, and then you could chuck contraception in there you could chuck getting regularly tested in there as well um, and then I think a lot of emotional health stuff as well but I also just think it's really important to bust the myth that talking about sexual health is unsexy mm. and like will kill a mood yeah and I really don't think that's the case like I f- would find it much more sexy to be with someone who could like bring that conversation up in just a really casual, mature way because I'd look at them and think like, oh, wow, this is someone who knows how to take care of themselves yep. but also cares about me, Yeah. which 
I think should be a really sexy thing. Depends, I guess, what the other person says. But if it's about, let's say, like using a condom and some of the stuff that you hear often is, you know, someone might be dating a guy and he doesn't want to do it because it doesn't feel as good or like, you know, that whole line. Um, I mean, the answer really should just be like, oh, cool. Well, like I'm offering you sex with me with a condom and it's that or the end. You don't want to get personal. I see that. Exactly. Totally. So it just has to be like, hey... um, I know we've only been seeing each other briefly or this is the first time we've seen each other or whatever it is. It's just like, I just, I only ever use a condom when I have, when I sleep with someone and until we both get tested. How Are You is brought to you by Kids Helpline, Australia's only free, confidential, 24-7 online and phone counselling service for young people. One thing I think is not getting talked about a Mm -hmm. lot Mm -hmm. is there's no protection for going down on someone, you know? Sure. Well, I mean, it depends on who you're going down on. That, I should give this as a caveat. Normally, you know, people aren't using protection yeah. when there's foreplay. Yeah, sure. But totally. that is still an area yeah. where people can contract STIs. Yeah, absolutely it is. Absolutely. Like performing oral sex on someone is absolutely a way you can get STI. You can get certain oral HPV cancers, but you can also get chlamydia in the throat and gonorrhea in the throat. Um, I think... If someone's not willing to use condoms for oral sex, which is a lot of people and patients that I've seen, there are lots of other ways to protect yourself as well, which would be like the HPV vaccine would be a massive example of that. And so would regularly getting tested. Top tips for keeping on top of your sexual health? Top tips for keeping on sexual health. Okay, so I think um, just if you have never been tested before, my top tip number one would be like go and get an STI test. It is really simple, really straightforward. You can do it through your GP or you can do it through a sexual health center. Um, you That would be step one. And then regularly doing it if you have regular partners. And I don't care if that's like one partner every like blue moon, literally, um, or if it's 12 in a week, you just go and get regularly tested. That's tip number one. Tip number two would be learn more. And there are heaps of great accessible online resources where you can do that. Um, you do have to be a little careful with that because you don't want to like, like you need to differentiate between like what is like a quality resource rather than like some randos thread on Reddit. Um, and then just have open conversations about it with the people around you. Like if you're, and that can be your parent if you have a good relationship or your guardian or your carer, it should be your mates. It should definitely be the people that you're having sex with. Um, but a great place to start that is the clinician that you see first, but yeah, just try to be really open about it because the more that we don't talk about sex and sexual health, I mean, like this isn't even just like my whim thinking that it is the statistics of it. Like silence is causing STIs to rise. Um, and meaning that things like chlamydia, gonosyphilis, things like that are on the rise because there's so much stigma around them. And you just feel like if I talk about it, all my friends are going to think I'm dirty or I'm promiscuous or I'm this or I'm that. Because um, of the way we've labelled it and all the values that we have around sex. Well, thank you so much for having this chat with me. That's fine. Thanks for having me. Now it is time for on the line with our kids helpline expert Josie. The conversations we've had uh, have been quite something. Are they the kinds of calls and conversations you're having on the phone as well? It's an interesting space to kind of, you know, from our perspective at Kids Helpline is, you know, I think we sense a hesitation to talk about this, right? And so, you know, often maybe people will start by having a look on the website, seeing if they can find some info, and then maybe um, they'll get in touch with us if they still have things on their mind. But we definitely do hear about it. 
I feel like you might get some panicked calls sometimes. Yeah. Maybe if someone has contracted an STI, their partner has. How do those calls go down? Yeah, we absolutely panic is the word. You know, if it comes to STIs, if it comes to pregnancy, um, or if it comes to like respect in relationships. You know, when people aren't sure, they panic. Um, so that is a hundred percent what what we see sometimes. So we really work to figure out. Okay. We need a practical response to your question Um, and maybe that's getting some extra information. Maybe that's an appointment with a doctor. And then it's also about that emotional support as well. Like, how are you feeling about this? What's happening? What's the impact on your relationship? Um, Is there anything that we need to do to check that you're emotionally okay after this as well? I feel like a lot of the work you might be doing is just actually normalizing that some of these things that they're experiencing are quite common. Definitely. And I think that comes from the fact that we don't have enough conversations about this. So if there aren't other places uh, that people can go to, other people in their lives that they can seek support from or ask these questions in a really open way, then we will notice that people come, you know, with these ideas that this is terrible. I can't talk to anyone. I'm so ashamed. I don't know what to do. I can't even talk to my partner about this. Um, And that can that can be a really tough space to feel stuck in. Well, thank you so much, Josie, for joining us. Thank You You are you better get back to Kids Helpline. They need you out there. Now, if you liked any of the topics that we discussed on today's show and you want to find out more about them, you can head to kidshelpline.com.au or for any time, any reason, contact them, 1-800-55-1800. You can also hit them up on web chat. Now, next week, we've got a great episode (laughs) because if you've ever been concerned about money, this will be uh, the episode you'll want to listen to. We're not going to teach you how to make money. I mean, I'm sure there's another podcast that you can probably listen to do that, but we are going to talk about how to deal with your concerns around finances. See ya. If you do want to hear about all the other podcasts that Pedestrian is doing, they have the Pedestrian Podcast Network. You can get it. You've got to subscribe to it on iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify, or where all other podcasts or the good ones are found.